The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network. And man, my throat hurts. <laughs> <laughs> voice is gone. Yep. How you doing today, Matt? Well, I'm doing really well. There's a reason your throat hurts. Shut up. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do it that early in the episode. <laughs> what if this is someone's first episode? <laughs> Then they know what to expect oh going my gosh. in. We're not going to waste any. We're not going to waste even, any new listeners' time. That's who we are. It's not even that I'm sick. I just <laughs> yeah. You just been talking all I've day. Been talking all day. Been training day. a guy at work and yeah. Um, I actually honestly have spent. I'm kind of in the same boat, yeah. not to the same degree. Uh, I've got a buddy of mine, uh, Ryan from Seattle, who who's coming to stay uh, the week with me. Something we do about once a year. We missed a couple years over COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like normally, I, when I'm chilling in my basement, it's me. Yeah. And now I've I've got I've had company here for the past like I mean yep. since Friday. You had someone to talk to over and over and right. over. So I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh that being said, this has been a great week. I'm still in the I'm right smite uh smack dab in the middle of uh my two week vacation mm-hmm. before I start my new job on Monday. Uh just been playing a ton of games. Uh played some EDH with you guys. Uh Yo. played uh Shredder's Revenge. We were Ryan and I were playing Mad uh Tiny Tina. Well, yesterday we were playing Mega Man. Oh. So we played through the eight bosses of Mega Man 4, and then we went to 5, and I was getting ultra pissed because we didn't the... know the order to do them. Yeah. And I was trying to do uh, Gyro Man, and his that boss, not only does his level kind of suck, because like instead of it being a ton of enemies, it's just a bunch of platforming yeah. where if you fuck it up, you just die. So like, yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to get through that, and then I get to Gyro Man, and his, he's incredibly random. Like, he doesn't have, like, a set pattern. Oh. He's one of the ones where you need his weakness, the gun he's weak to, to yep. really beat him. Especially if you're new. Like, I've I played a few Mega Mans, but not oh, yeah, anything serious. Until I watched someone on YouTube, like, playing through it, I didn't know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I played a couple of Mega Mans when I was a kid, and I just didn't know. Yeah, you, there's there's... Not all the bosses are, like, super weak to a specific weapon, but they all have one that that weapon is best against them yeah. and there's an order you're supposed to kill them in and we did, we knew that for four so we kind of breezed through relatively easily the the the, bo- the eight bosses Are you just unwilling to look it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and i was like i was kind of forcing myself to do it a little old school like we didn't look anything up ryan had known some stuff because he used to play uh, mega man 4 a ton on his game boy on like trips uh-huh uh, and the game's slightly different but in general it's the same thing um and then I was trying to like not use anything, any of the special weapons until I got to the boss. So play through the levels because there's a bunch of them where like one of the special weapons, it reverses gravity. So any enemies just fall off the top of the screen and die. Oh, you can stop time. <laughs> and like, yeah. Like, so I was trying to just use the blaster so, and make it through the level. The weapon called become God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I was really trying to avoid doing that stuff because I wanted to get the true, like, 1989 experience of uh-huh. this game. And I did. I was incredibly frustrated. Yep. <laughs> at the end. And uh, so isn't we... it crazy how much rose colored glasses hides 
all of the like frustration you had as a kid. Yeah, well, back then you just, I mean, you have no other stress in your life. That's true. So it's just like it's, and you have nothing better to do. So like in 1989, if you had Mega Man Five or whatever, I'm just picking a year, but sure. like back then, if you had Mega Man Five, cool, that's what I'm doing for the next month. Yep. I'm gonna learn every boss in this, and like that's how we used to call it when we were kids. You'd master a game, yeah. and you basically got a game, and you didn't put it down until you could beat the whole thing through, mm -hmm. which was relatively rare. I mean, there was a lot of games out there and we'd rent them all the time and whatnot. Yeah. So we'd play a lot of games, but you know, when you're six, you rarely beat those, like the Nintendo hard kind of games. Um, but yeah, we were playing that. And then um, just to unwind at the end of the night, we played a little bit of Forager, which is kind of like a mix between like Zelda, Stardew Valley and Minecraft. Uh -huh. uh, so that's just kind of like an easy... You know, it's it's, a, it's an yeah. efficiency game just to kind of like, hey, we just spent the afternoon being real pissed off at this. Yeah. So let's unwind before we go to bed. And then uh, today uh, we got uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderland and we've been playing through that. So we've been playing a lot of games, just eating a ton of junk food. I've knocked down half a bag of Doritos. Yep. The party size. It's all. It's all. It's just sitting to my right. So I'm just like yeah. munching and it's... killing stuff as the Stabomancer. Because yeah, it's it's D and D with Borderlands flavor. Yeah, so they had, everything's kind of silly. It's a it's a remake slash new take on. They did an expansion, a DLC, and yeah. it was it was great. Everything was Borderlands too. It was amazing. Where Tiny Tina was the d d dungeon master, but uh, well, in this they change. So in that one, you're basically playing Borderlands yes. too, with the it, same characters and everything, but you're kind of going through a story. Yeah, it was it wasn't. Yeah, it was just like. They just put your character into the world. Yeah. This is a game built around it. Yep. So, like, the grenades are actually spells. You can actually... Yeah. Like, all the characters, uh, you actually have stats in this, and they do things effectively what they are. You get one point per level, but effectively what they are is the badass ranks from Borderlands 2, where you can, like, you can increase, improve your crit damage or your uh -huh. crit chance, which, in this, with your crit chance, it allows you to crit without getting a headshot. Oh, sweet. It's very low. Like your base crit is like 5% and uh -huh. then you get percentages of that. I didn't realize that until I was a little bit further in and I need to probably respec. Yeah. But I was like, because I'm like, oh my God, my dex gives me a 30% chance to crit. Because what I was thinking was what they had done is remove the chance to crit or made it so like even if you get a headshot, it's still just a chance. Yeah. But it's a guarantee, a headshot still a guaranteed chance to and crit. Then a and non then a non headshot can crit now. But like I'm an, I have a, dedicated crit build my non headshot crit is still like eight percent that's not very much for a dedicated build matt no but when you're shooting hundreds of bullets oh i guess and in your crit your headshots still crit yeah so i'm probably going to pivot out of the crit percentage and probably just pivot into crit damage which gets better as you get better at the game yeah. like it's kind of sucks early on because you until you kind of get dial in your build and like get used to the the gun mechanics and stuff uh -huh. like that but once you kind of get used to it you can relatively consistently crit yeah so like you don't you just want crit damage um nice. i that game looked like a lot of fun i kind of wanted to try it, it looks crazy i i mean realistically what will happen i'll just have you over as well and we'll have a playthrough and we'll play yeah. through it together that'd be so, fun um i basically i had planned on ryan and i playing it we had played through the resident evils but it just weren't really well i shouldn't say we played through the resident evils we were playing resident evil 2 um he didn't, I, I, ryan I, didn't I, seem like he was having a great time um so like we kind of pivoted from that to Mega Man. Yeah. And then so like uh I watched you play Resident Evil 2 until you got the Gatling gun out. <laughs> yeah. It's like cuz you'd beaten the game and just the game's hard and it's kind of confusing. 
uh, sometimes. It's meant to be a difficult game and just kind of gotten into some rough situations. It's it's very, especially in the beginning. Uh, I noticed that game, I watched it be played, I haven't played it, but the game is actually very generous with bullets. But like it's a slow buildup. Yeah, and it's so like snowballs. by the end of the game, you've got hundreds of bullets extra. But for the first couple of hours, you do not. Yeah. So yeah, and you can very easily just be like, well, uh, I don't have yeah any bullets. They have these sequences where you've got to move through areas with five five zombies, and if you've gotten down to two clips, you just you can't get through this part of the game. Yeah. And, and then you bumped out your I beat the game before, so I'm going to use the unlimited <laughs> ammo Gatling yeah. gun. It's just like screw this. <laughs> Well, well, basically what I was doing was, like, we'd get into a bad spot and, like, really probably use way more ammo than we should. So yeah. I was trying to effectively recoup that loss. But oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go through this area, kill all these enemies, and have it not cost anything. Yeah. So that by the time we get to the next portion of the game, we're kind of at yeah, you're, par you're wherever up, yeah. we should be. Because, um, again, we're just trying to have fun. Yep. Uh, but, yeah. So this weekend... uh. Ryan and I are going up to Goshen, or to South Bend, to play with the uh, two of the guys from the Family Gathering podcast, and then uh, another two guys we went to high school with, uh, Brian and Mike. Kind of like a, it's kind of like a little reunion you guys have semi regularly. Yep. yep, we did it two years ago for the first time. Um, so yeah, we're trying to do it again. We're fun. just going to play a bunch of EDH. I've got a bunch of decks built, so like, because Mike and Brian have kind of fallen. They don't. They still like playing the game, but they don't really keep up with it. Yeah. Everybody's got kids and crap like that. Yep. So it's a good opportunity to be like, hey, you know, like come play magic with us. Mm-hmm. We'll all kind of hang out. We'll barbecue. We'll drink. Do whatever. We'll they'll drink. Um. So like, and what I've done is the last time I'd basically got uh, decks built to like, kind of like modernize what we used to play back in middle school and high school. Yeah. So like, uh, Ashley used to play. Uh, rats and still does uh derek really likes artifacts so he's got an urza deck i played elves all the time so i've got an elf deck uh mike used to play the first time he used to play stasis a lot uh-huh. and he'd had multiple different iterations of that but i didn't really i wasn't really sure how well i could build a stasis deck in edh yeah. and i also didn't really want his only deck to be a deck that no one wanted to play against the first uh-huh. time so what i ended up doing is another uh, combo deck that was really popular back when we were playing was Prosperity uh, Cadaver Spoon, so Prosbloom. Yep. So I built that with Moldrotha, and he really liked it. So he, I kept everyone's first deck together, and then and now he, I've built them got, another one. He's got Prosbloom also Yeah, to play. so he's got Prosbloom and Stasis now. Uh, Brian was big on Enchantress, so I built him an Enchantress deck with uh, Tuvasa, and now he's got a Goblin deck with Krenko, because he also used to play uh, Mono Red a lot. Krenko's fun. So... He's got two, um, and then uh, when I when we first did this, it was basically what got Derek and Ashley into playing EDH. Oh, really? Yeah, they had they hadn't really played it before. That's funny, and it so, pseudo spawned a yeah, podcast I mean, out of it, pretty much, because um, they weren't. Derek was still playing Magic. Joe had basically, or Ashley had basically given up on Magic uh-huh. at that point. Um, in the same way that Brian and Mike have, they're not like dis- they don't hate the game, yeah. but it's like I got kids and a well, job, a, and there's a big difference between I play Magic and I spend five hundred dollars a year on Magic, right? So like I built Rats for Ashley and Urza for Derek, and they both still have those decks, but I didn't really build anything else for them because they now play, yeah, and they have their own collection of decks. So yeah, that's what I've been doing, uh, just getting prepped for that, playing video games. It's a really fun vacation, and just going. relaxing. Just sitting in my basement, and I think a lot of people's dream is to take a vacation, and have one of their best friends ever just live with them for a week. Yep, 
Just like, like you're back in middle school. Yep, that's what we're doing. Yeah. So we're just hanging out and shooting crap, and I'm going to grill tonight, so we're going to have burgers and hot dogs. Cool. Whenever I grill with the charcoal grill, I basically get like as much meat as yeah. I possibly can and cook it for the rest of the week. So we got pork chops, hamburgers, hot yeah. dogs, uh, corn on the cob. I'm glad that I didn't get invited to that. Thank you. You're welcome to stay. Oh, I figured you had now. shit to do. You're working. That's you fair. still have a job, loser. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> That's what you get for having bills to pay. Even though I had a job, I still made the Pioneer yesterday. I do want to yep. give a shout out. Uh, DC at Pioneer was talking about um, you were just going heavy on like a lot of like game design last week on some fun games would play, mm-hmm. and he was parroting it back to me. On he was just he was with you, man. He was on it. You were killing it, and I was like, I, I felt bad because. I don't know a lot of what you're talking about. These are games I haven't played. Which ones were we talking about? I don't about? even remember, but he loved it. Probably, the. I think it was the Final Fantasies last week. I think you are talking maybe. about some Final Fantasy stuff. And I enjoyed talking to DC, obviously, and I had fun talking to him. But like all the things that he was super jazzed about, it was things that like I don't really understand. Like yeah. I, I, he's, he, he backs you up and he knows you're right. But I was like, I had never played these games. And they, a lot of them were before my time. Mm-hmm. Like A lot of those games like set the precedent for gaming yeah. going forward, and they were just before my time. Yep. But I did go to Pioneer. Uh, I actually got my first 3-0, technically. It's not really a 3-0. Uh, <laughs> hey, take the wins you can yeah. get. Yeah. I ended up getting a buy in round one, and then I was able to bring it home in round two and round three. And we don't normally talk about like our round by round, but I had some fun, fun matches. I played Ian in round two against Mill. Mm-hmm. Game one, it was uh, a joke. I uh, had no chance of winning at all. Mm-hmm. You get several crabs on you and start just, land dropping. Just had a nice hard start. And just yeah, go go go. No chance. Just uh, mill eight, mill sixteen, uh, fractured sanity. And just so everyone knows, what deck were you playing? I, I was playing my Esper token deck. So gotcha. Esper, it's basically uh, a, it's a it's a bad take on Azorius control that runs black, so you can run uh, some more removal. And the only creatures in it are Monastery Mentor. Yeah. Or actually, no, there's Monastery Mentor, and I put a Dream Trawler in there. I changed it to make, it used to be like Tribal Removal. Yeah. And I have moved it to a more Azorius Control with some higher fatty finishers, like Dream Trawler. Yeah. Uh, game two was a joke in my favor. I just, like, I stopped his one or two things. I, I, I clutched Counterspell here or there, and then I slammed, like, a Mentor made four tokens, and just, it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Game three was Toit. Yeah. It was tight, tight, tight. I won game three by drawing one of the two cards in my library and swinging for lethal. Nice. I was absolutely um, dead to you know any spell resolving, anything. I got to where I had a couple stuff going. Yeah, he hits you with one more mill spell in the anything, middle of the game. And- anything he draws that's live. And I you know, I had a clutch counter spell here and there, and it was very close. It was very, very fun. And then in the finals, I played against Nate, and I felt really bad because Nathan sat down and he's like, "I've never made it to the three O table before. This is my first chance ever three O." Yeah. I mean, like, You're I was like, "Well, mine too." <laughs> kind of. I I, I tried to three O against you once. Yeah. Um, but I don't do it very often. Almost never. I never have done it, but I don't make it there often. And I was like, "Well, let's let's do it." He's playing mono red burn. Yeah. Good burn too, and mm-hmm. like. Good matchup in his favor. Yeah, I'm. I'm playing a mid rangey control deck. He's playing burn. I got to get a little lucky. Yeah, and then same thing happened. Like I think game one was a joke. He just like just burn. Burn did burn, man. It was crazy. Game two, I felt way more in control, and I did way better. And I felt pretty solid. Even at the end of the game, I had like two counter spells up most of the time, but I was at four life. Yeah, like I stabilized at like four. So I ended up one, at one point. I had to. I had a monastery mentor. I had a Wandering Emperor token, and I had a Monastery Mentor token, mm-hmm. and I had to wipe the board with a Doomscar because he cast Obosh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't have him drawing uh, 
burn spells that do double damage. Right. Because Obosh is anytime a... It does two more, right? It does double. Oh, gotcha. Anytime an odd... A, a card with odd CMC does damage. It deals double oh, gotcha. damage. That's a different. I was thinking of the like dwarf legendary. Yeah, no, that it was too. So I had to wipe my board just to get rid of that. And yeah, I was able to bring it home. Yeah, and then I, I felt bad. Game three, uh, Nathan had a big misplay, and it's just he got very in the moment. He's very excited. On turn two, I foretold a card, mm-hmm. which is he saw in game one or two. That's probably Doomscar, and then he went. He had an incredibly explosive start, actually. He went, you know, turn one, I think, like, Swift Spear. Turn two, something else in Swift Spear. Or, like, Courier Swift Spear. And then turn three, and, like, he had, like, five creatures on the board. And attacked me with, like, four of them. He had, like, five or six creatures out. I just just kind of forgot that I had foretold a card and just played right into my Doomscar. And Doom's that's card. the Wrath of God effect, Yes, right? it's Wrath of God. It's a five-mana Wrath of God, but you can foretell it for two and mm-hmm. then Wrath Wrath for three. Yeah, that's a really good card. Yep. And just kind of caught him off guard. I had a mold of five too. Mm-hmm. I just was well, really on the to, back foot. That's how you have to come yep. back with a mold of five is basically five had, for one. Somebody. I got a five for one, and then we. I mean, we saw a close game too. There was a lot of game. Well, that he got probably played. got a shit ton of damage in before. Yes, I mean, if he he got me if down. He wrapped I mean, with five creatures on turn three. Yeah. I was sitting at like ten. Yeah, you know, and we had a lot of game left, and that was the game where he actually played Obosh. It might have been that game or a different game. I don't know. But yeah, we had a lot of game to be played, and I was able just to kind of got a, I got ahead, got ahead on mana, and I, where I could like secure a threat or secure a mentor with a counterspell up, cast some spells, make a board, and just swing out. And I was able to bring it home. Good. So I did feel bad taking away from him. I uh, had to crush some dreams last night, but you know, it's he agreed, doesn't want it given to him. He's got to earn it, and he'll be back next week to try and earn it. That's the best feeling in the world is crushing people's dreams. It's even better than fulfilling your own. You're like, oh, you've never sat down over here. I huh? felt, guess what? <laughs> I felt genuinely bad as I just ripped the spells I needed. Yep. Uh, the biggest thing that deck got, so I I played the deck quite a bit. The biggest thing it's got is Treasure Cruise, mm-hmm. the ability to mid to late game just be like draw three. Yeah. Ancestral Recall. Completely refuel is it's pretty stupid. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing uh pioneer last night. It's we're we're about twenty minutes in. I will end with a funny story. So at the end of the night, uh, Ethan didn't play. But uh, he did show up. He was doing some other stuff. We're getting ready to leave. It had poured cats and dogs for like five minutes, one of those five-minute storms. Yeah. So we're getting ready to leave. It's still kind of drizzling. Ethan rides a bike there. And I go, Ethan, you don't have to ride your bike. I'll take you. He was like a mile away. Yeah. Throw it in the back of my truck, and I'll take you. So while he's loading in the back of my truck, I'm kind of helping him just kind of get up in there. Um, a semi drives by. And you know how in romantic comedies it's when a car drives by and it just showers everybody with water? We got a street water bath, <laughs> and it was so frustrating and hilarious at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was so upset and just like a fucking course. Yep. Because I'm helping Ethan, <laughs> I we're both soaked. So you know what? Get in my truck, Ethan, because we're so. <laughs> yeah. Get your wet, dirty water clothes in my truck. At least I didn't get your cards. Yeah, I already had my, already had my yeah. bag put in. So that was hilarious. Uh, I'll leave it on that note. Let's. We're a little longer this week. Uh, I will preface. My voice is very tired. I am very tired. We're getting right into back to school. Uh, it wasn't very hot today, but we're delivering a lot of packages, a lot of furniture. So it's probably going to be a little shorter this week. And by shorter, I mean probably not two hours. Yeah. And probably going to be a little more mellow on my part. 
I do want to give a shout out. I want to thank our patrons every week. I give them shout outs because they deserve it. They help us in a very direct way. If you want to help support us, uh, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. You can join Emperor, Ramblin' Rogue, Derek, Ashley, uh, Eric, Mono Wolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, and our newest patron, Jameson, who if you were here last week, you got to hear we had a great podcast with Jameson. We had tons of fun and he actually joined on the Patreon. So we're super appreciative for that. Thank you very much. Yes, thanks a lot, Jameson. Extra shout outs to Emperor for putting up our stuff on Reddit every week. We appreciate that a lot. He's basically an employee at this point. He pays yeah. us to be an employee. Hey, 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 hey. He's an intern. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, he's he is gaining valuable. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, he's getting valuable Reddit experience while he posts stuff. Hey, and he people... can put me down on a resume. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Derek and Ashley at the Family Gathering Podcast, very close friends of ours. And if you guys watch out, uh, coming out on Thursday with this episode, uh, Derek was down this weekend. We recorded a 30, 40 minute episode, kind of just talking about our year in review podcasting. This is actually going to be our one year anniversary. Uh, we ended up skipping a week, so we've got 52 weeks in, 51 episodes. So we just kind of did a little sit down and chit chat. I didn't want to dedicate this entire episode because I don't like uh, giving up a week of content for our listeners. Yeah. But I wanted to give you guys something. I just want to sit down. We talked about you know the, the pros and cons of starting a podcast, what we expected, what we didn't expect, and what we like going forward. So that'll be dropping right when this drops, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I also want to shout out uh, Will Will and Aramis of the Plain Soccer's podcast. They're our mothership show. Uh, they really helped us get started. So as we wrap up our year, obviously we're super happy to thank them for helping us get started and giving us a lot of guidance along the way. Check them out Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, twitch.com forward slash Plain Soccer's for their standard podcast, which is actually turning a little bit more commandery, but they still cover standard quite a bit. And then Wednesday they actually play Commander Craft, uh, live commander on that same Twitch Follow them at their Discord, discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com. Uh, it's a great place where Matt and I are, and every format is represented there pretty much. And yeah. uh, actually, if you guys hurry up, you can still sign up for their win box The Dominary win box is up. They're playing Explore on Arena. It's free to enter. You join the Discord. You join the event. Boom. You got like a 1 in 32 chance of winning a box mailed to you for free. Yeah. All right. That's all I got, Matt. How's Legacy looking? Uh, the top eight's kind of weird, uh, and it's not going to take a ton of time to cover it because there's only four decks in it. Um, they're not all Is It Delver, so we'll preface that. Only two of the top eight are Is It Delver. Oh, don't worry. Is It Delver still crushed the metagame summary. Yes. So Saturday and Sunday, uh, there were seven uh, Blue Red Delver decks in the top 32. Roughly 22%. Yeah. So they're doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like the metagame might be trying to pivot a little bit to beat them. I mean, they have been for the past year and a half or whatever. Yeah. But uh, maybe found a little bit more success or just, you know, the stars aligned and we didn't have it yep. this week. So Scourge Alters brought it home with Reanimator. So this is not 100% your typical build. We've got one Children of Corliss and mm-hmm. a uh, Tendrils of Agony in the main. Yeah. So so I have a question because I've heard yeah. this thrown around. At what point does deck become Ten Fins? Is this Tin Fins? It's missing. I can't think of what it's missing. It's I was something big because I know that Tin Fins includes there's a tendrils. Loop that you do is it, it Emrakul then? I think so. Okay. I think when you can can like consistently do the loop, that's when it's technically yeah. Tin Fins. But this is pretty close to Tin yeah. Fins because the way this works is Grizzlebrand lets you draw a bunch of cards, and the Children of Coralis lets you gain all that life back. You get to keep going on drawing a bunch of cards. You get to reanimate the Children of Corliss with tons of reanimation yeah. spells. And then, you know, you're just drawing your entire deck. And yeah. then there's some way to yeah, like discard your hand and then keep it going with Emrakul so you can just do it infinitely. But, you know, obviously Grizzlebrand wins plenty of games. And then they have that I win button also where you just cast 
you know, 10 spells with Children of Coralus and reanimation spells and thought seizes. Yeah, and... which isn't very hard to do. No. So, like, between your ability to keep gaining the life back from uh, Grizzle, from Grizzlebrand with Children of Coralus, reanimating it, loop, like, you can, it doesn't take very many. I mean, you can activate, uh, he's what, draw seven cards. So that's eight times, and you've drawn yeah. your whole deck. And you have realistically so, seven times because you've drawn seven at the start. So in the so if you ever to Grizzlebrand, uh, let's say you Grizzlebrand like Zoom, so you didn't pay any life. So you could do it twice. You then you children gain fourteen. Do it two more times. Children again to gain twenty eight. Now yeah. And so now you can do it four times. There's six. Yeah. So it's it's you almost don't even need to do the loop. Yeah. In my opinion, I guess the way I would define it is almost kind of based on intent. So like. If your intent is to accomplish the loop, then you're probably ten fins because they run a lot of the same cards. Gotcha. So now they that might not be the traditional way to define it, but that's kind of how I look at it. Like, what's your game plan here? Uh huh. Um, rather than just throwing in two cards that allow you to do a very similar loop, but you're not really that's not really the way you're attacking the game. So, I mean, there's probably people screaming at us, going, you know, ten fins is this, but. Yeah. That's just kind of the way I've always looked at the that. internet's gonna immediately be mad at me for not knowing how to identify a deck immediately, but yeah, that's fine. Beyond that, it's a real. I mean, it's a pretty standard uh, random error list. Yeah, I didn't see anything else that was really it, like. It's only it's down to two creep instead of four, and only one chancellor in the main. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got your other three chancellors in the side, and then you have kind of the standard creatures you expect: an extra archon, some Iona or an Iona. The pretty much the standard uh, answer suite. The answer your answer suite. Yeah. Yeah, nothing else looks particularly different in this deck. Yep. So then in second place, we've got Reanimator again. Whoa, really? And Reanimator? <laughs> yeah. This um, is way more. This, this is actually is, closer to like what old Reanimator used to be. Yes, this is very, uh, very standard. So you've just got the four Grief, the four Chancellor of the Annex, which is not very typical anymore, Mm-mm. and then the four Grizzlebrand. Yeah. All your extra stuff is in the side. So like Iona and Tide Spite, Tide Spout Tyrant, they're already in the side. Uh, then you've got your traditional stuff, Cabal Therapy, Entomb, Faithless Looting, Unmask, that kind yeah, of crap. Cabal, Cabal Therapy is kind of old tech for reanimator. The idea that you have, like, you have four Grief, you have four Thoughtseize, you have four Unmask, and you have two Cabal, Cabal Therapy. Yeah. Their hand is going to be shredded. Sure is. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. This is actually really close to the list I played when I started playing. Yeah, there's only a few different... Uh, Except for the, the griefs were some other utility creatures and maybe something else. Like some other, like, yeah, like the griefs weren't exist. there. But like this is almost exactly the list that my first legacy list. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, and then in the side, the only thing I saw that I didn't recognize immediately was Stronghold Gambit. What's that? Yeah, I saw that. And then I looked at it and there's so much text it has to be a smaller font size. Yep, so I'll read it for you since your voice is shot. So it's a uh, sorcery, one uh, generic and a red. Each player chooses a card in his or her hand, then each player reveals his or her chosen card. The owner of the creature card revealed this way with the lowest CMC puts that card into play. If two or more creatures are tied, uh, both of them are put into play. So... So what happens if your opponent can't reveal a creature? Then yours is the lowest. So that's the point of this. So you yeah. go like thought seize. This is like the uh, show and tell. Yeah. And then the what's it called? what's the other one? Think attack. Think it's the think attack for show and tell where it's like yeah you can thought seize. Oh the coast is clear. Yeah, that's that's very much something you don't want to do in the blind yeah. and against just regular decks because I mean you you're just paying two for them to put in whatever. For that, yeah, for them to put their snapcaster in or their right. Yeah. I mean strictly speaking, Merktide. 
Well, Mark Tide costs, I guess, seven. Yeah, your yeah. your Grizzle Brand costs eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you only get a three three, but still, still, it's, I'd put it's a it three, in three. play. Um, yeah, yeah, not much. Not much costs more than Grizzle Brand. Yeah, that's a uh, that's some interesting tech to be perfectly honest. That's, that's kind of cool. And four be, of them, they're all in on that. Yeah, so he's very much going after that. So that's a, and it makes sense. Like we said, with the extra discard, you can either clear the path or make sure the path is clear yeah. already, and then just pay two to put Grizzle Brand into yep. play. That's that. That's really cool tech. I never thought of. Yeah, I've never even heard of that card. Uh, I don't think this third place deck exists, so we can move on. Yep. Uh, so we got Death Shadow in third place. I can't believe we have Death Shadow. That's so cool. It keeps popping up every, you know, That's once so every cool. couple of weeks. It's not, and it's not even like Grixis. It's Demir Shadow. Yep. And it's it's Merktide is just a tide that lifts all boats. Basically, yeah. uh, anybody who can run it should be running it. And Probably. It's just the fact of the matter is, is you can win games off the back of that card, and mm-hmm. it. It fits in really well with what Death Shadow wants to do anyways. It's a very aggressive card. It wants to fill the graveyard between fetches and uh, instants and sorceries. And you have Street Wraith as well. Like, it's doing everything it wants to do. Yeah. So it just kind of slots right in there. Whether or not Death Shadow is a better deck than Blue Red Delver, like whether or not it's the correct meta call, yeah. it's definitely playable. If it's if you prefer playing it, Death Shadow, in my opinion, is a perfectly playable deck currently. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it a couple times in the last month. <clears throat> it's also significantly cheaper than a lot of decks. It's not cheap, but it's cheaper. Yeah, only three grand. Yeah, only three grand is, sadly... <laughs> I mean, half of that is in two Underground C. Yeah, which you could... If you're playing on a budget, you could get away with one. Because yeah, you mostly easily. want the watery graves. You just want to yeah. make sure you can fetch an underground sea when you can't when you need to. afford to shock. Yeah, you could easily uh, run four grave to underground sea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Not a ton to say about Death Shadow. It's not a new deck. I don't see anything particularly uh, new in this side. $850. Yep. Why don't more people play Legacy, Matt? I can't. I mean, I was going through it. There's only one other deck more expensive than Elves. Well, that doesn't count. I mean, it's... Re- Elves, one of the reasons, not the reason, but one of the reasons I put together was relatively inexpensive. For you? When I put it together. Oh, I guess yeah, back at the time, Guy's Cradle wasn't a $1,000 no, card. It was like it a, it was 150 like, bucks. Yeah. I had four cradles, so you got like 600 there, and then two bayous. A relatively cheap, like, dual land-style card. Yeah. So it cost, like, 900 bucks in reserve list stuff to put, a, put together Elves. So the Crazy. cost of one cradle. Yep. And now it's one of the most expensive decks in the format. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up in fourth and fifth... Let's see what types of iterations we have on Blue-Red Delver. So in fourth place, we have the traditional Delver uh, Blue-Red with uh, Delver Secrets, DRC, and Merktide, four of each. Don't even have the Brazen Borrower in there. And missing the Brazen Borrower looks like for the counterbalance, which is interesting to see counterbalance in the main. You see it in the side sometimes, in the main, uh, it's an odd choice. Well, it's definitely somebody preparing for a... I mean, this is the kind of inbred nature... That you get when you know one deck is twenty to thirty percent of the meta, yeah. where it's just like now your Delver decks have to be able to get an advantage on each other. Yep. Not to mention, I mean, counterbalance is just great against the rest of. The, I mean, sixty percent of the meta is blue. Yep. And which as, means they have brainstorm and ponder minimum. Every year, Legacy gets a lower CMC. Yep. Like the average CMC gets lower and lower. Yeah, that's. It was one of the things I was thinking about, and I've mentioned it before, but like in the long term, Wizards needs to do something about just curating legacy a little bit better in my opinion we've mentioned it before but like the goal of a game is to deal 20 damage effectively Mm -hmm. and threats just keep getting better yeah and that's 
It's like, never going to. And they we, all just accumulate in legacy. Yeah, we talked about this forever ago, actually, as a little side third topic. But the idea that, like, yeah, like, if you want to sell packs, you have to keep making better cards every year. That's just the facts. Yep. Uh, you can't just you can't just make an entire set of, like, two two bears. It's never, they'll never sell. And so, like, well, the solution I came up with is Watsy needs to start printing good uh, taxing effects, good stacks. That's the only way that you can... The only way you can slow down a format without banning cards is make stacks good. Yep. And they, in general, they do a decent job managing power creep. They're not perfect. And you have sets like Throne of Eldraine or uh-huh. like Kaladesh, which are, just, which are just off the charts powerful. But in general, what you see is like you'll have two or three years of steady power creep. You'll get a spike or two. Yeah. And then they'll kind of like come down the other side of the hill well that's just but that's what legacy but that's is. the problem with legacy like it's, as far as like standard and modern go that that cycle's fine it's legacy just, just accumulates the spikes legacy is just the mistakes yep. of, like legacy is just printing mistakes from the last 30 years yeah so again just need to do a little bit better job in my opinion of curating yeah. legacy at this and point we'd be fine I, we're in the point where it's like it's just time to start like semi-regular reg, regularly removing cards yeah um then in fifth place we've got uh ledger shredder delver yeah, oh. uh, with the Brazen Borrower. Yeah, with the Brazen Borrower. They cut uh, Delver Secrets for it. They still have DRC and Murktide. Uh, the rest of the deck is almost identical, and you got Mish- uh, some more Mishra's Bobbles. Yep, makes sense. They they combo so much better with the Ledger Shredder. Yeah. So just... now you have DRC and Ledger Shredder, seven indiv- and, uh, unique yeah, you, creatures. I mean, it's got to be nuts getting both those triggers every time you cast a Mishra's Bobble. <laughs> I maintain that, like... Uh, DRC is one of the most powerful cards. Oh, very, Legacy. it very much is. It's it was uh, the recent one of the recent episodes of Goldfish. They were talking about like the best card in stand or the best card in modern. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Saffron Olive. Like he talked about how it's sneaky, but DRC might be the best card in modern because it just it enables so many things. It you get so much extra value out of all the extra crap you want to be doing anyway. Yeah, it's so good. It is. It's very good. It's neck and neck with the other broken shenanigans. Yeah. I think, in my opinion. In an, the most powerful card in a vacuum that's legal and modern is probably Ragavan. Now, when you take into the account the rest of the format, yeah, stuff like that changes. But Ragavan, I'm not saying it needs to go, but Ragavan's just a stupid card. It is. So, like, in my in my opinion, it is better than DRC overall. Savannah, Savannah Lion is fine, right? Savannah Lion's fine. Savannah just Lion that draws a more, card. Just give him more abilities. Yeah. Uh huh. So again, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about Blue Red Delver, though. So My voice appreciates it. Yeah. Uh, then in 6th, 7th, and 8th, we have Jeskai Control Lists. So we'll go over all three just to see if there's any major differences. You know, there's probably one of these is a combo. At least one of these is probably like Narset Days Undoing or something like that. I haven't looked at them. We look at these lists live. So you're getting our, you know, unbiased opinion on this. It'd be hilarious if they were all identical, but it doesn't look like they are. They're, they're small differences. So yeah. it looks like, in, in order of one, two, and three, the first one has Days Undoing and nine Planeswalkers, but a single Days Undoing. Yeah. Second has like a couple Days Undoing and a bunch of Planeswalkers, and third has no Days Undoing. Yeah. So it kind of we kind of hit the, the full suite of Days Undoing combo in here. Yeah, and uh, eighth place looks like a very traditional list. So you've got... Uh, your typical cantrip suite, all that kind of stuff, swords to plow, shares, prismatic innings, three snapcaster mage, so they're kind of kicking it old school there. Yep. And then just a couple planeswalkers, uh, wander, wandering emperor to replace Jace. Teferi is just a kind of a duh in a sixty percent blue format. Yeah. And then Narset Parter of Veils, which is just a fantastic card in this deck. 
Um, you do have in the eighth place Fable the Mirror Breaker, which is something we haven't seen in these decks before. No, that's, that's a weird weird place to be finding value in your Azorius deck. Yeah, and if you look, the other two decks have in that slot either Dress Down or Shark Typhoon. <laughs> so um, you're getting kind of a different value engine there. Um, Dress Down obviously is an, a much better answer than uh, Mirror Breaker. Mirror Breaker doesn't really answer anything per se. It's more no. of a threat. Uh, but what Mirror Breaker does do is allow you to copy Snapcaster Mage <laughs> so you can generate a ton of value if he lives. Ew, that's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can get him to flip and you have a Snapcaster yeah. Mage on, just every turn just snapping back something is some pretty insane value. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you're doing that, the game's going to go super long. A, making, I mean, and people don't talk about, like, making a copy of your 2-2 token is also insane. Yeah. A 2-2 token that attacks yeah, just, and makes a treasure, like, making a copy of that is also really good. Yeah. Fable of the Mirror Breaker is a very good card. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that people are tinkering with it in other builds. Yeah. I did not expect to see it in this list. This isn't what I would play it in. Having thought about it, I this list makes sense to me, why it's in there. Uh-huh. Now, whether or not it's the most effective card like i think that was worth tinkering with like snapping you to get in a snapcaster mage every turn is cool whether or not it's good yeah but you're talking about best case scenario a lot of things go right well i mean fundamentally you're you just need an enchantment to survive three turns and the creature to survive a turn it does but i mean that's what your whole deck is designed to do so if you can't handle a lightning bolt to protect snapcaster mage then you're probably you should, losing anyways. You need both of them to survive. You need you the, the fable no, creature to survive. Nobody kills Snapcaster Mage. I guess that's true. <laughs> like he he comes in, and unless you use him as a rattlesnake, he comes yeah. in. He just sits there because he's yeah, just usually. not a threat anymore. And then they're like, "Oh no, Snapcaster Mage, whoopty freaking do!" And then you're like, "Oh, by the way, Fable the Mirror Breaker." Yeah. So and the big the biggest downside of the Fable play, especially in Legacy, is it's just so like face up the whole. It's yep. It's very face. Up. It's uh, it's it's like four turns from now. This is a problem. Yeah. That's the the there's a I watch a content creator on YouTube and he always talks about like I need to get my Fable ticking because mm-hmm. it's a bomb that will blow up, but it blows up in like four turns. And you have to get the you, fuse lit. It takes time. Yeah. yeah. And in particular, I think the biggest weakness of this is the first chapter is almost useless in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a 2-2. Yes, you could throw it in front of something, so it's effectively like a, a healing salve it, or something it, like that. It can buy you a card sometimes. There's, there's it gonna, can. There's going to be times where that eats a kill spell. But it's it's definitely not where it's at its best. Wow. So so have we discovered that like Ragavan isn't good if he doesn't draw a card? Because it's a Ragavan that just doesn't draw a card. Yep. That's so funny. Well, it also is a Ragavan that costs three that doesn't draw a card. That's true. Yeah, that that is a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> Ragavan on turn three, but it uh, but it does make the treasure no matter what. Yeah, it does. Interesting. Is there's an interesting little uh, comparison to be made between the Fable the Mirror Breaker token and a Ragavan. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where, like, typically speaking, control deck just doesn't really care about chipping in for two every now and then. Yeah, and the decks that you're going to be playing against. Often you're not going to be able to chip against chip in for two. Now there are plenty of matchups where you can. Uh-huh. So if you can survive long again, long enough against something like elves, you're going to get through. That's what yeah. we did when we were, when Ragavan was legal. It's like I can kill Ragavan because he's a two one, but I don't have to. This it's a two two. You're going to get in against uh-huh. elves. Yeah, you're going to get in against a lot of death and taxes stuff if you get it down early before they get equipment going, mm-hmm. and you're probably going to get in get get in against Delver. Unless they have a Merc tied out. Yep. 
So it's either going to get in or it's going to make trades, and you're usually happy. I mean, yeah, what, I mean, if it kills what, a Delver of Secrets, that's yeah, more than good enough. If it kills a Delver and makes a Lotus Petal. Yeah, that's a lot of value out of one creature. So that, yep. yeah, you're, you're selling me out slowly, but yeah, again, just, I'm not convinced taking, that it's the next big thing. But it seems to be taking those Planeswalker slots, and I think those. I don't think Mirror Breaker is quite a Planeswalker yet. I think the uh, looking at it, it looks like to me the Snapcaster Mages are taking the Planeswalker slots. Like if you compare it to seventh, because they all have like dress down or shark typhoon, uh-huh. and this one doesn't. So that's where I'm looking at it. Like it's filling that like enchantment slot where it's like, well, I could have dress down or well, yeah, I could have table the mirror I mean, breakers. There's obviously other changes going on, but like <clears> the uh, eighth place slot only has six planeswalkers. Yep. The other ones are running nine or twelve. Yep, but like the one that's running nine doesn't have those snapcaster mages. That's yeah, the change. That's true. So I guess, again, I guess it's just a nine and a nine. There's not a twelve. Yeah, you're just pick you're you're just picking the cards you want to play, what you expect to beat, where you want it to go. So like, I think that was at minimum worth a shot. Yeah, it very easy. He top aided, so we can't say that. Yeah, it, it can't be that bad. Yeah, it can't be that bad. But we've also mentioned it a ton before, and there was actually a post on Reddit about it. Uh, I can't remember what format it was in, but somebody. What was he? He had put in Shriek. It was in modern. He had put in Shriek Maws into his uh, like think living in deck uh-huh. to test him, but didn't put enough land in so he could actually cast him. Oh, so game one, every turn he's just got two cards in his deck that he can't do, and he's still top aided. I yeah. I don't remember what place he got exactly. I was just browsing through the thread. So he literally so can't evoke it. Is that black? It. Correct. So like games two and three, he would just side him out. Yeah. So that's kind of what we even having two dead cards in your deck, you can still do fine. You can still spike a tournament. Right. So you gotta you have, you always have to take these individual results with a grain of salt. A deck like this, if you just blanked Fable of the Mirror Breaker and just turned it into a land or something, this very easily could be the yeah. exact same result. It's also, I mean, we always talk about this. And it's possible he didn't draw Fable once the yep. whole night. Hundred percent. And it's possible he had an opening hand every game. Yeah. So, so I'd be interested to hear. Uh, if he got if he got it, how well it did. Yeah, what he felt about it. It's a very powerful card, and it to me it warrants testing in a lot of things because just just running it in aggro decks. Yeah, I think if Delver, <laughs> I think if the Delver Menace gets trimmed down a little bit, you'll see that having more because it's just yeah. it's such a bad card to play in a Delver matchup. Mm-hmm. Like that's that immediately gets side out when you're playing against Delver, in my opinion. Yeah. A three mana thing eats a daze, eats a, I don't know, a eats a daze. All the things it makes are easily removed. Well, at this point, you got to warn her about Hydroblast. That's true. Hydroblast is becoming more and more popular. It's uh, I don't think I'd ever run that into a Delver mirror, no. a Delver matchup on purpose. Nope. <laughs> so that's our top eight. So, like I said, Reanimator, Death Shadow, Blue Red Delver, and Just Guy Control were at the top eight. Yeah. Uh, Meta game summary: We've got Blue Red Delver pulling in twenty one point eight eight percent, seven of the top thirty two. And Jeskai Control with uh, five of the top 32, 15.62%. Those are both pretty high. Yeah. Um, I mean, 12% got Miracles banned. But again, we're talking about one event. Jeskai Control hasn't been anywhere for the no. past several weeks. Delver has. Yeah, Delver has. Uh, Elves is the next biggest individual deck with three. Um, uh, another shout out to uh, Aaron Relentless. He got 13th in on Sunday, and I just want to double check it because he seems to be the... Damn. Currently, the most successful elves player. He's figured out how to get consistent results. He top aided on Saturday. I just want to see what he got. I can't. I can't imagine a world where I have both the time. He got third and, the, and Saturday. The time and the skill to be in <clears throat> like every challenge every weekend and, and do also. Well. I mean, we also, say his name almost every week. Yeah. Also get results. That's yeah. amazing. He has 
has the time and the amounts of skill to make it there. That's so cool. Yeah, so he's very good. Uh, oh, I did want to shout out if I, um, there's been at least one dude. Uh, this current one, and I don't want to take it credit away from anybody, but I haven't been looking into who's been playing these lists. Hammer Time is becoming a thing in Legacy. It's slow. Excuse me? Yes, Hammer Time. Uh, 11th place is Hammer Time. Because we don't have much to talk about in the topic, I did want to bring that up. Like, it's straight up Hammer Time. <laughs> Sigarda's Aid, <laughs> Ornithopters, Lion's Ash, Pure Steel Paladin. Paladin. Obviously, it's got a couple extra cards. It's got Ancient Den. Uh, Caracas, GTA, Mox Opal. So like, it's got some some additions to it, but it's eleven hundred bucks. That's Mox Opal. I know. So uh, if you yeah. if you're a modern player looking to and you play Hammer Time, I'm you're gonna have the the biggest problem is you you had to get lucky in your combo matches. You've got some answers with like Leyline of Sanctity, Ether Sworn Canonist to shut down like Storm and Glimpse decks and stuff decks and stuff like that. You also have a uh, Oh, what's the name of the card? Deafening Silence. One yeah. mana. Each player can't play more than one non-creature spell a turn. Um, so you've got some stuff like that. You've got some tools in white, but you are Dude. really... This deck's plan is 100% not play against Reanimator. Yeah. that's <laughs> How do you beat Reanimator? By not queuing in against it. I mean, to be fair, it also is probably pretty quick. And Grizzlebrand, if I had to choose be- uh, like between Grizzlebrand and like a, an 11-11... That's not an easy choice yeah, as far fair. as like combat math goes. That's fair. So like it could probably it in theory could put some pressure on re- reanimator. But you do get it's you an do uphill. get some some serious brewer's advantage cuz I'll be honest, <clears throat> no one's expecting hammer. You could probably attack me with an ink moth nexus wearing a hammer and I wouldn't think I was playing as hammer time in legacy. <laughs> You're like what? <laughs> I don't know what this deck is, but it's probably not hammer time. Right. So what weird deck also has hammer time in it? Yep. Let alone there's legit hammer time in Legacy. That's and it cool. does have Lion's Ash in the main. I saw that. It's good. So, again, against Reanimator, realistically, that's not going to be enough. Yeah. Even Unless you, you, you could turn one it. Yeah, you can tutor it with Stoneforge. At least you can I, turn one it. Uh, uh, actually, I don't think you can turn one it. Oh, you don't have... Uh, you don't have Chrome Mox. You have Mox yeah, Opal. Yeah, you have Mox Opal. So you would need to like play... You could easily turn two it, duh. But I don't think you could turn... Yeah, you could Artifact... Well, you could like... I think you could turn to it and use it. Because you yeah. could like Mox Opal, Artifact, Land... Yeah, and then artifact land, you know. So, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Hammer time that is a thing. That's definitely worth talking about a little bit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Roman we'll those cards, our, Matt. Yep. Most played cards. Uh, Brainstorm Ponder, Force Will, Expressive Iteration, Days. Uh, Brainstorm Ponder, fifty nine percent each, and Force Will, fifty six percent each. Um, top Perfect. creatures: Murktide, DRC, Delver, Elvish Reclaimer. Grizzlebrand. It's cool to see Grizzlebrand number five. Yeah. Re-animator I always get excited up. when Reanimator is back on a high swing. It never stays there for very long. It's pretty easy to hate out. If we all just get together and say, I'm tired of losing to Grizzlebrand. Yep. He has Everybody to go pack away. your ley lines and your, yep. your surgicals or whatever. Lots of things. Yeah. But I do like seeing Grizzlebrand. He's cool. Yep. And then the top spells is the same thing as top cards. Brainstorm, Ponder, Force Will, Expressive Iteration, and Although, Days. I would ban Grizzlebrand in a heartbeat. So that Reanimator could play around with some other fun creatures. Yep. Although at this point, it's just four Archon. I wouldn't get rid of Grizzlebrand unless we were overhauling Legacy. Yeah, yeah, no. But yes, if we were going yeah. to overhaul Legacy, Grizzlebrand would be on the chopping yeah. block, in my opinion. If that's one of those like we're taking one <clears> card <throat> from every combo deck to weaken them. We're taking every, you know a card from all these decks. To, eh, Grizzlebrand. Yeah. Go. So yeah, that's Legacy. Like I said, not a ton to talk about with that uh, four deck top eight, but overall, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's new. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see. And 
that Fable of the Mirror Breaker, it's cool that they're still iterating on decks. Yep. And so. uh, that's actually really surprising yeah. in a good way. Uh, let's hop over to Modern, of course. Uh, speaking of Modern, Matt, do you think you might want to go to that Modern RCQ in a couple weeks? Realistically, probably not. Uh, all right. I'm trying to see if I can get, like, DC might go from Pioneer Knights, see if I can get some other people to go with. The biggest problem with me is, like, playing in an actual tournament. I don't, like, I've got a mod, I've got Modern Affinity. It's not something I want to, like. It's not that good. It's just not, it's not that consistent. Like, I, at an RCQ, at a Modern one, realistically, you're talking about five rounds of Swiss and a top eight. Minimum. Like, that's just probably not going to happen with Affinity. Yeah. When I played Affinity, I did roll it pretty freaking hard. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's just one of those decks that it like it can steal so, games, but it's not. Oh, it's like a tier three deck. That was so rough to watch him go like turn one, play three creatures, and I went or his turn one, and then I went turn two, <laughs> solitude ephemerate. Mm-hmm. You have no more creatures, right? <laughs> so rough. Uh, so the modern challenge on Sunday, first place, El Elbigast, Elbigast, Elbigast. Four color Archon of Cruelty. I don't know why it's always listed as four color Archon of Cruelty. This is like tra- uh, Transmogrify and Domino Creativity combo. Yeah. And Domino Creativity is obviously the preferred one, but you got Transmogrify in there as well. These are those decks we talked about this every week. This is four color crab. Yeah, Jake. clearly. This is clearly four color. <laughs> Beat crab. you to death with hard evidence. Zero three blue crab yeah. creature tokens. So the combo based around, you know, things like hard evidence, basically tons of cards that either give you artifact tokens or creature tokens that you can then use in Domino Creativity. Or transmogrify <clears throat> to piss away and get uh, a different litany of creatures. The creature suite on these seems to be relatively fluid. Sometimes you see uh, Sarah's emissaries. You you almost always see Archon of Cruelty. It's one of your better hits. I believe we've seen even some of the Emrakuls. We've yeah. seen Emrakuls, some Eldrazi in there. I think that seems the past couple I've seen have been Archon decks. And I think yep. that seems that kind of speaks to the power of Archon of Cruelty, where like. Yep. You if, even if you're not paying the mana, you'd rather hit Archon every time. Yeah, and I'll tell you why I think so. Especially in modern, where Solitude is way more prevalent, the Eldrazi just aren't as good. So you're not casting Emrakul's a big one. Yeah, you're not casting Emrakul because you're not getting the extra turn. Yep, and um, both Archon and Emrakul are e- both answered as easily. The difference is Archon ETBs and gives you four cards worth of value. Yeah. They sack a creature, discard a card, or a planeswalker, by the way, and you draw a card. And you and there's a huge life swing too. Yeah. Like you're getting so much value that even if your Archon is immediately answered, he did a huge thing. Whereas Emrakul comes in, definitely ends the game much faster, but if it gets answered, it's almost like nothing happened. Yeah. Yep. And one of the in my opinion, the key component there is if it gets answered immediately, what Archon has done is push the game back a couple more yep. turns so you can try again. Yep, and that's all we're trying to do these combo decks is. There's plenty of times when I'm playing Reanimator where the first Archon gets answered, and that's okay because I have now started my refueling. I've slowed you down quite a bit, and I in maybe two or three turns yep, we like can do you this said, again. We've already we've already swung four cards. Yeah. So okay, do it again. Yep. And How then, many times can you afford to go down on that many cards? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm gaining three life every turn. Yes, and the gaining life is huge. That. It's huge, and God forbid he gets to attack. Yeah, once. I mean that it reads: they discard a card, they sacrifice a creature, you draw a card, and oh, by the way, you draw an additional lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. healing self. Oh, it's a lightning helix. Like, yeah, you, you, you cast draw a lightning, lightning helix. helix. Like, 
It's very strong. Uh, realistically, going back into this, I don't see a much in here that's uh, not standard. I do see one persist. We do not see that very often. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. You've got this deck that's running these huge archons. Uh, there are tons of ways to discard it with Prismari Command, and they just die sometimes. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Oh, sorry. Uh, you also have the Fable of Mirror Breaker to discard them. So the one persist, the ability to dig dig in, uh, dig it out of the graveyard makes makes total sense to me. Other than that, I don't see much uh, much interesting in the main. The sideboard looks like everything you'd expect. Ley Lines, Force of Vigors, Dress Down, Veil of, Veil of Summer making a comeback. Uh, I thought about trying out some Veil of Summer in some different formats because I think Veil of Summer is particularly well positioned right now uh, in that no one ever plays around it. Mm-hmm. And that means it's good. When it, when it, Whenever people start looking at you and going, hmm, does he have Veil? Then it's time to start siding Veils out. And then when people just go, Thoughtseize. Yeah. Well, great. Veil's in a good spot. You should think about running Veil. And the, that's the, it's the same thing with Stifle. Stifle is never better than when no one plays around it because they don't think about it. Yep, they just turn one fetch and you yep. just, eh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Playing I have a Nate, response to your fetch. I had a really funny encounter with Nate. And he listens. he's actually catching up, so he'll hear this in like three months. Mm-hmm. We were playing... And we were in. We were getting late into game two, where I'm struggling. I'm catching up. I need to stabilize and win. And if he wins, he wins. And he goes like, "I've got like two man up." And he <laughs> goes, "I'm gonna. I have a. I'll play Swift Spear. I'll play Bomet Courier. Go to attack. Uh, I'll put a card underneath Bomet Courier." You're like, "Hold up!" <laughs> just like we had a little. We had a little crowd because it's a big, big, big game. <laughs> it's just like, "Whoa, Nate! Things happen before that. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of things that have to happen before you get to put a card under Bomac Courier. Yeah. And it ended like, up it was this monastery swift resolve. <laughs> it was very relevant. I yeah. had a drown in the lock. I think I had a drown lock and a gate or something like that. And mm-hmm. I like that was a very tough decision. On like, do I kill the Swift Spear? Do I kill the Bowmat Courier before? Because he's he's basically in top deck mode. Yeah. His Bowmat Couriers are now draw a card. Yep. Like he's got six lands out, and there's a lot of decisions. And I think I ended up letting it go, but it's just like I need time to think, bud. Right. <laughs> he's playing red deck wins, and red deck is like I play my creatures and I attack. Yep. And it's like I need you to. <laughs> we need to go back like three phases. Yeah, but I don't really want to. So take eight. <laughs> In fairness, he was that, that's where he was. <laughs> yeah. It was it was quite funny because he was just just playing his deck, and I'm like I need more time. Uh, third place. We actually have, so we have Demir Mill in third and then Grinding Station in fourth. Grinding Station is not quite a mill deck, but it's close. Did uh, you want to talk about Yawgmoth in second? Oh, did I skip second? Yep. Oh, we were on Cruelty. Sorry. So yeah, in third place we had Demir Mill and fourth place we had Grinding Station. I don't like Yawgmoth. That's fair. <laughs> I don't, part of the reason I don't like Yawgmoth is I hate things I'm too stupid to understand. Well, Yawgmoth's pretty easy. It's a comp. It's a very complicated deck to play. The premise of it is simple, but to the find the lines through it can be very, very difficult. It's a very difficult deck to play correctly. Yeah. In my opinion, I could be wrong, but in my opinion, and the way, the reason you always say things like that is the people that are listening to you and don't agree with you just go, well, it's his opinion, whatever. And all the Yagma players are like, fuck yeah, my deck's hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Azorius Control is the hardest deck to play. Period. Because it's what I play. And Sneak and Show isn't. Screw you guys. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Yogmoth. Uh, second place was Yogmoth. I do, I do feel bad mo- moving over it. Shit, that just reminded. Where the hell is Sneaking Show? It's gone. Yeah, it's been gone for a while. It's it pops in once in a blue moon, but if, for what it's worth, I have spoke. I listened to the Leaving a Legacy podcast, and uh, Jerry plays Sneak and Show exclusively. I think he has like foil Sneak and Show. Yeah, and he's t- talks weekly about how it's not in a good place. Yeah, he's a master, and so he can make it work. And he, I think he's still positive yeah, on he's just MTGO. better than most yeah, players. But he's it's it's he's struggling. It's hard. I guess they took bad, all those brain dead Sneak and Show players off life support. Apparently, <laughs> uh, just kidding, guys. Second place, Yogmoth. No, he's not. Nope. <laughs> we do have Hapatra. 
in the main we do that's one of those kind of flex slots we see quite often it seems to be like um i guess i was gonna say blood artist but yeah we have blood i was gonna say blood artist is almost always there and then Garolf's messenger comes and goes and hypatra comes and goes we actually have all three of them in this list we have blood artist we have hypatra and we have Garolf's messenger do you see any i don't see anything i don't see anything in the main other than anything new in the main nope the side looks pretty stock as well. Yep. A relatively standard uh, list. This, when Magus of the Moon is... It definitely isn't as bad as Cascade lists, but Yawgmoth lists kind of suffer from that same thing where you really only get to play the good undying creatures, and there's just not many of them. And even ways we, to accelerate it out. Yeah, and acceleration. And, and acceleration and, and tutors. But yep. like, there's just it's the best tutors, it's the best acceleration, and even though we went back to Innistrad, we just didn't get any more undying. Yep. And that was Innistrad, wasn't it? We had... Innistrad gave us Undying. I think so, yeah. I believe so. Yes, that does Innistrad. So they're kind of just, I mean, there's 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 lots of ways to play with single cards here and there and some some rough themes, but the deck is really cornered into a, a very linear game plan that it only can accomplish with a relatively small number of cards. Yeah. Sorry. So now we have third place Demir Mill, legit uh, eight crab, like Turbo Mill, things like Fractured Sanity, Tasha's Hideous Laughter, Archive Trap, the eight crabs. Only one end of the story is uh, an interesting choice for sure. I would, I don't know, Matt. What do you think about end of the story? So do you know what it does? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Uh, is one enough? I think I'd run. If I'm gonna, if I'm running one, I think I'd run two or three. I don't know because it's almost never not on. I don't know the uh, the deck well enough to make that call. Uh, so I don't know. That's that's the big thing with me. How do you, um, feel, how do you feel about four mana draw four at instant speed? In the right deck, that's not bad. Uh, it depends on how much... The The trick is, like, a lot of their stuff is sorcery speed, so you're going to be frequently tapping out. That does make sense. I didn't think about maybe this deck just can't afford to be holding up four mana at a time. That's what I mean. You just don't have the extra mana lying around. So there's... If somebody was really familiar with the deck, that's probably... Those are the kind of decisions. So if you look at this list, you got a bunch of four ofs, a... a couple three ofs which the are be- obvious inclusions the and then best you got mill the, spells yeah and then you've got a couple one ofs that you're probably playing around with and like okay is this slightly more efficient does this yeah. you know kind of fit into my game plan a little better is it easier to cast can i cast it when i need to cast it that kind of thing the the curious thing with me is i'm curious as whether or not you'd rather have memory deluge than this uh-huh because it's is the best two cards of seven better in this well, than let, just straight let's, four. Let, let's compare it to the four because you're probably yeah, gonna cast effectively so the best the, two cards of four yeah. or the next four cards. Yeah, I would say prob I would say probably the next four cards are because lands in this de- like you would memory deluge for lands quite often in this deck. There's plenty often where you want to be drawing lands. You have, you have two crabs out. Yeah. Every land is one of your best draws. So I would probably prioritize having it. After playing memory deluge quite a bit in Pioneer, and there's obviously no comparison between Pioneer and yeah. Modern essentially. What I will say is, uh, the back the the back end tax on memory deluge almost doesn't exist for me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sure if you're playing a hard hard control deck, then it does have tax. But I never was in a position to be like I should. I'm going to take turn seven off. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. spend seven mana to cast that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, obviously, guys. But yeah. what I'm saying is, in my limited experience, that was the pipest of pipe dreams to look at that in the graveyard and go, oh, I might cast that. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Yeah. It's great for four. It is great for four to be like, end of your turn, I got four mana, turn four, go, you know, look for the things I need. Um, but I didn't utilize that back-end text very much at all. Yeah, that's that's what I'd be, and obviously this guy made the call, 
Yeah. I'm curious is as to whether or not the ability to more reliably hit your bombs like Tasha's hideous laughter is worth giving up two extra cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's something I would tinker around with myself, whether yeah. or not I like and, that slot. And in fairness, in a vacuum, again, this, this is they uh, we've talked we talked about much uh, Tybalt of Red Sub, like in a vacuum, uh, memory damage is just better because there are time, like opponents can nuke their own graveyards. Like yeah. there are strategies for minimizing their graveyard and. Well, in, a, in theory, there's also the fact that a lot of your mill exiles now. That's true with Tasha's hideous laughter. So that you have to take that into consideration as well. End of the story is not a hundred percent live. It doesn't always cost four. Yeah, it's also true. That's also very true. So, I don't know. That's yeah. That, that would that. I we, mean, we, we're talk- we we just talked about one yeah. bad card in a world where that card is a terrible card. It doesn't it doesn't make or break a deck. The other thing to keep in mind I mean, is God's he's sake, somebody got top eight with Rick Grimes. Right. He's running. He's only running three Vision of Beyond. I saw that. So, like in theory, that end of the story is taking a Vision of of the Beyond. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's basically ancestral in this deck. Right. Like literally one man ancestral. So. Maybe the that makes me think the mana is not that big of a deal where he'd want to go harder. Maybe. Where he's just like, I can consistently get this, and I'd rather have the extra card. Yeah. So maybe that's the case. Um, but yeah, I mean this this is kind of what you get when again this is a fairly linear deck. A lot of these. Yeah. A lot you're of playing, these are locked in. You're playing the best mill spells. There's not a lot of choice to be had in the best mill spells because there's there's a bunch of them that are decent. There's a few of them that are way too efficient. Yeah. And those are the ones you play. Yep. So fourth place, uh, different mill, different mill deck, Grindstone. Uh, this is going to be utilizing Grindstone to looks like mill our, mill our own graveyard, so we can or our own deck, so that we can get Thassa's Oracle. You know, you're gonna facilitate that with things like Underworld Breach. Um, do we have yeah, Emery Lurker of the Lock to get things back from the graveyard? A uh, little bit of control with Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat, the expressive iteration, the best, uh, the best draw two ever printed. Pretty much. Uh, we haven't talked about it in a while. Matt, you want to go through the, t- the TLDR on the grindstone combo? Sure. So uh, you sacrifice an artifact, target player puts a... You, target player mills three, yep. right? And then whenever an artifact comes into play, you can untap it. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, it's going to take me a second here. So it'd be Underworld Breach and a free artifact. Yeah, Underworld Breach and a free artifact. And then you keep bringing the artifact back. Yeah, because you can cat Underworld Breach lets you cast it. By it's paying its mana cost yep. zero and exiling three cards from right. the graveyard. Yeah, so you just mill yourself. Eventually, you uh, hit Thassa's Oracle, um, and then Underworld Breach will let you cast the Thassa's Oracle. And Underworld Oracle. Breach lets you cast the Thassa's. And you also Oracle. are getting yeah. lots of mana. You're going to go until you hit Mox Amber. Yeah, and you start Mox Ambering, making mana, and boom. Yeah, so that's the deck. lots of ways to accomplish it. Relatively simple, but we don't see it very often. Yep, and it is it is a little convoluted. It is. It's it's one of those like. It's not quite Rube Goldberg. I I put I put Rube Goldberg combos as four card combos. Yep. So, and I mean, I guess technically this is because you got Thassa's Oracle, Grinding Station, Underworld Breach, and uh, okay, I guess it's three then. So yeah, yeah. and there I I think it gets a special classification where once you assemble just the first half, the second half assembles itself. Yeah. Like th- like things like my Muldrowth EDH deck, I have to find all four of these permanents and get them get them either into the graveyard or make them work. Yeah. This is like once you find Grinding Station and a free spell, you can off to the races make it happen. Now, obviously, this is in the in the world of <laughs> you know your opponent never does anything to stop you. Right. A world of zero uh, 
a world of zero friction. Yeah. So grinding station is a cool deck. Uh, the only thing that I have against these kind of decks is it drives me nuts that you have Ragavan and Ledger Shredder in here, and they have no yeah. business from a from a deck building perspective. Yeah. They're in here because they're just some of the best things to be doing, and there's just empty I slots. Think, I think Ledger Shredder could be somewhat defended. It puts things in the graveyard to it fuel. Does. It does dig. Uh, Ragavan does none of that. Yeah, Ragavan, Ragavan is just a, it's just a hyper efficient it ramp and threat. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, like just seeing Ragavan pop up, that's just to me yeah. that's evidence that the card is just should, yep. it's too good. It shouldn't exist. Do you think that qualifies? Do you think that qualifies uh, Urza Saga as being too good? Because Urza Saga pops up in a lot of similar positions. It does. Um, I would say in that regard, yes. Uh, whether or not like, I don't think it is, and I, I know you don't think it is really either. Yeah, I don't think it's ban worthy, but it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it's noteworthy that like you just see Urza Saga propping up a lot of decks. Just in there that, that it, because it's it very low cost. doesn't really belong in there. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, fifth place, another actually cool combo deck that we don't see as often, although it has been seeing quite a bit. Of, it's been seeing, been seeing more play among popular streamers, and yeah. that gets it seeing more play in general. Uh, your Thopter combo deck utilizing... Sorry, guys, my throat's still kind of sore, but uh, Sword of the Meek to make infinite Thopters. I haven't seen it yet. Is Time Siv in here? Usually you see Time Siv in the... Uh, I don't see it. But I guess you don't need when you're actually when you're actually seeing. So I say that back because I've seen a lot of time sieve combo decks. But if you're actually just seeing Thopter combo, you don't need time sieve because you just make infinite Thopters at the end of their turn. Well, and kill them. Strictly speaking, or is it sorcery speed? It's it's not infinite because you do have to pay one mana every turn to do it. But what it is is it's insane value engine. So just Thopter Foundry because you have to pay one to sacrifice it on artifact on token artifact. Make the token. Token comes in to play you you're sacrificing sword of the meek so that's in the graveyard the token comes into play sword of the meek ability triggers and then you get that back but basically what it allows you to do is pay one to make a one one mm -hmm. so it it's infinite in the sense that you can loop that but you do have to pay man every time you do so it's very good but it's one of those things where it's like it's not like an a b combo in the traditional sense where it's just, you know, Mike and Drake, where they just, the game's over. Uh huh. Um, but it often very easily does take over the game. If they get it online, you're in deep shit, is basically what it boils down to. There isn't a way to make this infinite. I could have sworn there's a way to make this infinite. You'd need a third card. But yeah. just those two, they don't do it. Hmm. Maybe I was wrong. I've played against this a few times, and I really thought that I lost to infinite Thopters at the end of my turn. But maybe I didn't. Someone might have had another card to pull it off. So, sorry guys, I take that back. I'm glad Matt was there to correct me. But yeah, I I did tinker around with that this kind of list uh, a few years ago. Uh -huh. uh, I never played it like seriously, but those two, I was excited when they, uh, could, if I remember correctly, it was Sword of the Meek that was banned because of this combo yeah. uh, in, in the earlier days of Modern, and they took it off, and I was like, hey, I have a bunch of Sword of the Meeks, because it was like an uncommon from yeah. a set. I think it was Time Spiral Block. Oh, um, don't worry, it's $3. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't when they first took it off the ban list. Oh, I, I guess that's fair. If that's I remember fair. correctly, I traded them a bunch of them in because nice. it just spiked, and then it didn't kind of. It kind of didn't do anything. Yeah. There was a couple weeks where people were playing it and testing it out, and you'd see some results because yep. so many people were playing it. But it wasn't then, the ban where the deck it no. once was. And that's the thing about the modern ban list. To my, in my opinion, it really needs to be reevaluated within the current context of modern. Yeah. Like, there's just some cards on there that just have no business being on there anymore. Uh huh. And it may only be a couple. But if those, 
you again, I'm not going to pull the mind twist thing. I personally don't think you should unban a card if it's going to make the meta worse, but you can at least evaluate them and see, well, is this card, could it help the meta? Is it going to create uh -huh. another archetype? So, and that, I mean, Sword of the Meek was the big one where it was just like, uh, there was like uh, yeah. Bloodbraid Elf, Jace, Sword of the Meek, Stoneforge Mystic, yep. and Counters every single one of them modern got better when it was unbanned. Yeah, I guess Counterspell kind of, kind of was unbanned, but it was It was added. printed into it, yeah. That was, when they, like, the, that was a sky, sky is falling moment. Yep. It's like, it's actually, it's a good card, but- At it, least from Wizards. Everybody, everybody I know- was really excited about it and had been clamoring it for a while uh -huh. because modern had become super linear. It was like control decks need something. Yeah, cancels not good enough. Yep. So they were running mana leaks like not logic not stuff like that. Yep, mana leak wasn't good enough. Counterspell, in my opinion, really solidified the ability to play a pseudo draw go control deck. Yep, because you just need an unconditional answer. Yeah, for two mana. So you've seen a lot of people tinker around around with it. So like this deck is, oh, um, that's the answer. You you're correct. The uh, the third card's Urza because it makes your Thopter be able to yes, tap for blue, and you can do the loop. That's what it is. So, the yeah. Thopters, yeah. Like I said, you needed a third card, but the third card's in the deck. But do you do you go up on creatures because you're making you're sacking? Yeah, yeah, because you're making mana. The, what you sack is the Sword of the Meek. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you just tap because the that's Urza, what it was. Yeah, Urza, Urza taps the Thopters. They don't have they don't summoning six. Yeah. So everybody's sorry, like, guys. I I looked right over that and did, I I seriously. So Matt said that, and I kind of like looked at the deck, like I really feel like this happened, trying to find yeah. out how to make it work, and my brain just could not put A and B together. So well, the, and that's one of the beauties of that combo is A and B is still very good. Yeah. C is the game's over. Yeah. And on top of that, C, which is Urza in this case, is also very good with the rest of the deck. Yeah. Like, if you look at this, I mean, there's I mean, 17 artifacts in this deck. Right. And every single one of them, that's why you have stuff like Ether Spellbomb. I mean, this looks like my Urza EDH deck, uh -huh. where it's like Ether Spellbomb, Chromatic Star, Pithing Needle, Portable Hole, Relic of Progenitus. All these, when Urza's online, tap for blue. Yeah. They become Mox And diamonds. they also make Urza's Beast Ur of Burden sorry. huge. Not Mox Diamonds, Sapphire Mox. Yeah. So, it's a cool deck. I'm glad to. I'm always I'm always excited. Yeah, that's I'm not one. really a person who hates any particular archetype. I'm just I like cool decks, and yeah. this is definitely a cool deck. I'll go on the record that I don't like uh, Thoughtseize. That's fair. Looking at you, DC. <laughs> I love. In fairness, in fairness, DC hasn't even played his uh, his 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 black deck in a while, and just I was feel he like... the one with the mono black deck? Yes, he played gotcha. mono black. He also he's he's uh, he's famous there for his mono green. Stompy curve. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. I play two mana for a five five. Yep. It's three mana for a five four. Whatever. God. <laughs> it can't be jumped. <laughs> three mana for a four four with trample that dies and makes another one. Right. Oh my fucking God. Uh I, I swear DC is single handedly <laughs> warping our meta with his with his good decks. That's what good decks do. Sixth place, uh, a list we have not seen in a while. Something that we literally talked about the other day about being gone, but McWinsauce heard us and said, fuck you guys, I'm going to make Grixis Death Shadow work. So one Gigantha as its companion. So creatures. We have Ledger Shredder, which makes sense. Uh, DRC, Ragavan, Cro one Kroxa, and then four Death Shadow. Yep. Notably, no Merktides. So among other reasons, do you think that the Gigantha came in over the Merktide, or do you think we didn't have Merktide anyway so we can play Gigantha? I think more than likely they didn't run Merktide. Yeah. I, like, that was kind of my initial impression. I was kind of in the same boat as you. I was like, well, they banned uh, Luris. Maybe they'll just run Merktide, Merktide instead. And I guess in fairness, 
uh, if Mick Winslow wanted to make this deck work, jamming Murktide probably isn't the right way because it hasn't been working. Right. And, and that's it looks like Ledger Shredder is taking those Murktide slots. Yeah. So you do probably get a ton of value with Ledger Shredder in this because it's very much a – you can stick one and then you're going to spend the next several turns just casting spells. Yeah. You don't – you're not really like – tapping out for three or four drops all the time there aren't any well that's what i mean like yeah. the deck isn't designed to do that as opposed to something like jund where like ledger shredder and this kind of duh but like ledger shredder doesn't make any sense in a mid-range deck yeah exactly because you're just not going to be able to be windmill slamming yeah. you can't be like well liliana and something else yeah. ledger shredder doesn't reward you for like going over your opponent at cnc yeah. So, like yeah, we have twenty spells, all the spells you expect. Yeah, at one and two, like drown, iteration, terminate, unholy heat, thoughtseize, fatal push, four bobbles. Jeez Louise, only only one dress down. Not when not committing to that shadow shadow dress down kill you. Yeah, that's smart though, in my opinion. I don't it, know, man. The card cycles. It's uh, it's rarely dead, and it hits tangentially. Hits so much. It does. There's so many ETBs, and it even hits. I don't know if you'd want to do this necessarily. There's there's lots of times you would, but you could be like. You could have double shadow out, and you could maybe uh, dress down their solitude. Mm -hmm. They get to keep it from evoking, but you don't lose both your creatures. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm never mind. every time I say these things, I'm wrong. I get it. I'm just talking. <laughs> just making no, noise. I mean, there's that. That's it's they're flex slots for a reason. Yeah. So people are picking the cards they think are best in the current, <sighs> like what they want to lose to, what they want to beat, stuff like that. I am very tired. Let's wrap this up. Hey, look! It's that legacy deck called Hammer Time. Yeah, I, it was it was doing really good in legacy. I heard someone was trying to port it over to modern. <laughs> right. See if they can make it work. Uh, you lose a lot of powerful stuff, so I'm you surprised do's. they. Yeah. I'm surprised they were able to make. It. I mean, I don't even get Mox Diamond anymore, or not Mox Diamond, Mox, but Mox, Opal. Mox Opal anymore. No it's Ancient crazy. Tomb. Yeah. Man, it's gonna be really hard to power this out. This is probably gonna be like in modern, like a turn four or five. Yeah, thing. it's probably gonna be a flash in the pan too. I don't really see it sticking. I doubt it. Long. I doubt yeah. it. I mean, it's doing okay in legacy. It's kind of like you know who would port Blue Red Delver into modern? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like if I mean, like Blue Red Delver is one thing because that's the best deck. So a worst best deck is still pretty good. This is an okay deck in legacy. I mean, so. look at this. This deck is so such a bad port. They're running Ginger Brute. Yeah, that just when when I see Ginger Brute, to me that just screams like I don't know what to put here. Like I guess it's a one mana artifact. Yeah, like we're just filling slots. And you know when your deck has bad cards in it because it's just one ofs of whatever bad card. Like, I mean, think about the replacement. They're replacing Mox Opals with Springleaf Drum. Yeah, I, that's talk about a downgrade. Right. Like, do you even do you even want to like be playing Springleaf Drum in the beginning of the game? Like, you're tapping out to maybe make land later if I find creatures. Well, that's the thing is that's how powerful Mox Opal is. Is they've got to have Ornithopter well, and Springleaf Drum that's what just it is. to mimic their power. Yeah, you're running seven cards so you can run Springleaf. Yeah. Jeez, Louise, guys. Right. Anyway, on to all right. Place. Now that that bit's over, <laughs> we just lost. 50 listeners, <laughs> all the Hammer players, all the Sneak and Show players are gone. Yeah, they're gone. But. <laughs> now we're we're gonna we're gonna slowly be an Azorius control and elves podcast. Yep, <laughs> all of our fans just play control and elves. In reality, uh, this is mono white hammer. We don't usually see mono white. We usually see Azorius. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I guess I'm not as shocked to see it. Really, the only thing you lose is you lose spell pierce, spell pierce, and a few sideboard cards here and there, yeah. like um, Lavinia. So you lose spell pierce in the main. You do have a uh, sort of fire and ice and cranial plating to go with your stoneforge mystic package. So you've got the shadow spear, 
the hammers that go with Urza Saga, and you've got cranial plating, nettle cysts, sort of fire and ice that go with Spring, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, and clearly Stoneforge Mystic can get you hammers. We still have that one Paradise Mantle that is here to stay. Only two Springleaf Drum and one Paradise Mantle instead of the other way around. Other than that, uh, this is a standard like uh, mono white hammer list. Yeah, it, it's nice to see Manatee in a sideboard. That's cool. Oh wow! I looked right over that. Yep, dude. Manatee running for spike. Manatee gets me so hard. It's just like stifle. Like no one plays around Manatee. I promise. And Mortipods, are not something that's like super new, but it's something that's pretty uncommon. So what is Mortipod? A two mana living weapon, and it gets plus O plus one, and has sacrifice this creature to deal one damage target player. So what's that there for you? Think. What do you want? What do you? When are you wanting Mortipod? The ability to sack a creature to deal one damage. I mean, it's got to be just a way to turn your Memnites and Ornithopters on. Maybe. That's the only thing I could really think of. Is there a world where there's a one there's a one toughness creature we need to kill? Yeah, and then, I mean, that's... I, I don't know what it would be that you'd sacrifice one of your good creatures for, uh-huh. but I can definitely imagine people doing that. Like, I will trade my Ornithopter for your... Uh, ignoble hierarch. You're one blocker. You're one blocker. Like yeah, clear maybe. the way you you don't get to chump something like that. Um, but it doesn't look like there's any way to like really abuse it. Well, you could abuse it in a sense with uh, pure still paladin. You can move it around for free. Yeah. Uh, I'm eager to see Emperor will almost assuredly let us know. He's actually very on top of the modern meta game, and he'll he's very good at talking to us about the mistakes we make and the kind of I don't know. So. I'm eager to see what he is. And he'll probably even talk about it. If you guys check the Reddit post, he usually covers a lot of it in the Reddit post every week. Yeah. Wrapping up eighth place, uh, there's this um, this blue-red deck we see a lot in Legacy. And this is like a worse version of that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they're even running two Teferi Time Raveler. Like, when you're playing Get Em Dead, like, you're really going to be another playing And another in the side. All in on that. So, Jeskai, Murktide, uh, I guess that joke was dumb the first time. <laughs> Ragavan, DRC, and three Murktide. You've got two Teferi in the main and one Teferi in the side. Uh, on top of Teferi being good, I will say, while Teferi is very good, I don't think Teferi is very good in this style of deck unless you are uh, you want to have an early game hedge against um, Cascade decks. Yeah. I don't think that blue-red Murktide wants Teferi. It's just, it doesn't accomplish anything the deck is trying to accomplish. Blue-red Murktide is about disruption and get them dead. Teferi is not any of that. But when Cascade has been doing very well for a very long time, on top of tons of other things that it just hits in general, uh, Teferi is an excellent, excellent card to be bringing into your uh, essentially otherwise completely stock is it Murktide list. And the big thing with me with Teferi is it's, if you're on the plate, it is just fast enough. That's true. Um, verse, but it has, it's a better card in this deck than Chalice of the Void while accomplishing the same thing. Yeah. So like Chalice of the Void, you play it for zero. Yes, you've shut down their deck, but it hasn't really advanced your game plan at all. It's a lot easier to deal with. Yep. Uh, especially against those decks because they're not, tip, like Living End's not really going to be able to swing at Teferi, so yeah. he's going to sit there. Yes. And just generate I think, value. I think against specifically Cascade, I would say that uh, Chalice is better. But it's faster. It's definitely faster. I think it's. I think based on that, I would value it as better. But you don't get any of the splash damage that you do yeah. get from Teferi, and that obviously you don't put. You shouldn't put a card in there for one deck. So like, it's great against the Cascade decks, and it's also very good against a lot of other decks. I mean, Azor. It, it's very good to slam to uh, to slam against Azorius Control. It's good not in that, the mirror. If you can it's resolve it. It's very good in the mirror. Yeah, it's a very strong card. And 
I think that it's just, like I said, splash damage is what secures that spot over maybe a chalice. Anything else in here? But other than that, this looks like a pretty standard. Yeah, it, uh, uh, Kataki's War Rage, not something you see a lot but because it doesn't run white, but a very common sideboard card yeah, in Modern. Very good card in Modern. And especially in this kind of list, because again, you kind of want your answers to be threats as well when possible. Yep. So being able to shut down artifact decks while presenting a threat is important. Uh, wear and Tear, again, another white card. Um, still getting those subtleties. This deck also benefits from Engineered Explosives having that third color. Yeah, that's, that's true. A, that's a big boon. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. You see it a lot in Legacy with Prismatic Ending, like those Jeskai lists that all times don't even have. There's no red in the main. They'll have one or two red cards in the side. But just having access to three colors is it makes Prismatic Ending so worth it. This deck doesn't run Prismatic Ending. I get yeah. it, but it's comparable. it's the same. It's the same principle. It's comparable. All right. Uh, and notable, we did have Living End in ninth. Didn't yeah. quite make it. Yep. So metagame summary: Merktide region isn't Merktide. 28%. Nine in the top 32. Wow. That's too much. Uh, Emperor is even starting to complain in our Discord about how, like, it's getting kind of ridiculous, guys. Maybe it's time for Modern to see some kind of a shakeup. The shakeup I think everybody's ready to see is Expressive Iteration out of Modern. Uh, it's probably the biggest offender there. Like, Ragavan's decent in Modern. There's It's a, such a creature-centric format. People are ready for it. Merktide um is probably okay it, it doesn't get protected by nearly as good a spell as it does in legacy it's it might be okay it's also much more likely to resolve that's true or expressive iteration yeah. compared to legacy yeah like it's way harder to stop it yeah so i think that's what we probably are going to want to see out of out of modern but i'm not sure i'm not i'm not necessarily a modern expert i look at the metagame a lot and i watch it a lot but i'm not uh one of the things that i i was reading on reddit and this is where it gets a little tricky is like murktide is overrepresented as far as an archetype goes but from what the data says it's non-mirror win rates 50 percent really yeah so it's one of those it very easily could just be it's a lot of fun to play yeah. it gives it gives you that feeling of you you're playing you're a better player when you win rather than like i got lucky lots of choices a lot of people love making choices when they play magic as opposed to just you know hey i got my uh cascade spell so here's living end after i cycled a bunch of crap or yeah. you know what i mean um not to Again, not to knock those decks, but like I, no, I don't feel like you're I'm, making fewer decisions. Yeah, I don't speaking. feel like I masterfully navigated my deck when I go turn two, unmarked grave, turn three, persist. Right, like it feels great. I love doing it. I don't feel like I found the line. So it's one of the things before everybody gets too excited. The other thing to to note here: there's only two Omnath decks in the top thirty-two. So like people have been clamoring to get a ban out of that. It doesn't. If MetaShare was your only metric, it this would clearly be yeah. data for a band. Not enough, but like a point in that column. A huge point. But it's not the only metric, and it's one of the things we want to pay attention to because that's one of the things we gripe about with wizards all the time is they look at whatever. They cherry-pick data. Yep, they choose. And we don't want to do that. If that's, I wish if that's what I wish they would just pick cards to ban then instead of just picking arbitrary right. reasons at to ban At that point, just card. be like, well... Everybody hates this card, so yeah. we're going to get rid of it. We think we're... it's this. So, like, we do need to be careful. And I'm not talking about you in general, but people see this and they go, what the hell is going on? The fact of the matter is it's probably just being overrepresented. People just like playing yeah. it. Um, and from what I understand, that 50% number goes back further than just one tournament and whatnot. It's it's like an uh, accumulative data dump where they keep adding in their games from tournaments. So uh -huh. it's probably reasonably accurate. So just keep that in mind. Yep. 
sometimes you just people dislike playing a deck because it's fun. That's true. That's very very true. And it does as long as it has a decent win rate. And I mean, fifty percent is like I mean, what are you yeah. gonna? That's coin flip. Yep. So you should just get better at Magic yep. if you're worried about coin flip decks. All right, wrapping this up. Jeez, uh, <laughs> a bunch of twos. Yeah, uh, it's a ton of some twos and a bunch of ones. Yeah, Archon, Death Shadow, Hammer Time, Living End, Affinity, Five Color Omnath, Yogmoth. A uh, Yogmoth's one. So a bunch of twos, a couple of ones. Most played cards: Ragavan, Unholy Heat, Expressive Iteration, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell. Nothing new. Uh, most played creatures: Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, Dragon Rage Channeler, Murktide Regent, Subtlety, Subtlety at fifth. Holy <laughs> cow. Called it right here. You heard it first oh on Cantrip Cartel. It's okay, guys. We haven't heard him say those exact words. <laughs> I know. The last like six weeks the in a row. First, I mean, that's what I've been saying though. It's now the fifth most played card in this or fifth yep. creature. Most played like, creature. Subtlety is I mean, it's, real. It's above solitude, endurance, grief. Like it's, it's the other three Where's are on the theories, list. Where's your theories, folks? Yeah. Subtlety. Oh, but that's subtlety. I still don't own them. <laughs> yeah. And then top spells: unholy heat, expressive iteration, lightning bolt, counter spell, Mistress, bobble. Alrighty, guys. Uh, I'm really tired. My throat really hurts. I don't know. If you, I, know I hope it's, it's probably coming through that I sound like garbage. So we're not going to do a third topic this week. Uh, we're a little under half, an hour and a half in, so hopefully we got a good episode for you guys. Uh, we don't have to rush out, though. Matt, was there something else you wanted to cover this week or anything you want to talk about before we kind of get into the end of our show? Not really. Um, like I said, it's just been kind of a slow week in magic. A little bit. Uh, there's been some like Twitter drama and whatnot, but that's not what we do here. Not really. Uh, I'm not really interested in that. the the that kind of crap. The the bullshit Twitter drama. Yeah. Big Twitter drama like I kind of get into. Like if something's making waves, but like no, I don't really little, care about people arguing and whatnot. The nitpicky bullcrap. Yeah. The only thing that happens on Twitter. Right. So yeah, that would be the big thing. Okay. So it's just, you know, if that was the most important thing that I took away from like my magic reading and watching and playing is like as far as, because I've heard a lot of people complaining about Merktide in modern. And yeah. It's just like understand that win rate is a very important part of it. And it if is. a deck is just popular, you don't need to ban it just because it's popular. Yeah. That's very important. Now, where that line gets drawn yeah. is totally up for debate. It isn't necessarily a distinction in either direction, yes or no. Right. But it is relevant information. Yeah. So it's in, to me, what what a large meta percentage is is a red flag. That's a good way to look at it, yeah. It's like, hey, we should be looking at this and be paying attention to its win rate because if it's if it's twenty percent of the meta, it's it's like that for a reason. Uh-huh. The reason is what we need to determine. And if the reason is because it's got all the best cards ever printed and it's broken, then we need to answer that. Yeah. If the reason is everyone just loves playing tempo, yeah, then cool. And, and we've made fairness, a deck that everybody's really happy with. It is one of the first times ever that modern gets a good tempo deck. Right. It's been a long time. Yeah. So like again, as somebody who really enjoys those types of decks, the last time you were in my opinion, really playing good, like blue, red, aggro, or tempo, whatever you want to call it in modern, was when Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time were legal. They banned those, and then it hasn't been a deck for a long time. Yeah. So and, like, it could be a holdover of a lot of people that have been waiting a long time to play tempo. Right. And like, the big uh, thing you want to avoid is. It's all is the another... Delver fanboys that know they can't play Legacy. Well, and the flip side is there's probably a decent number of Legacy players that just port yeah. the deck over to modern. That's a very like, good point. They have the exact same cards. And they just go, yeah, I will play both because uh-huh. I have both. It's the same time, and a, same thing as that really popular legacy hammer time list. Not uh, nece- I, not as someone who has the skills because I don't, but I bet the skills are very mm-hmm. transferable. I mean, it's basically, it's, it's trying to execute a very similar game yeah. plan just with slightly yeah. less efficient cards. Makes sense. So just 
everyone was talking about it with Omnath. Omnath, again, it's a popular deck, but it doesn't seem to just be dominating. Yeah. Like, so yeah. just maybe just the fact of the matter is, is it's just fun to play. It's fun to play. And I could, I look at those Omnath, Omnath lists and that looks like a lot of fun to play. I've seen a lot of, I watch, uh, I watch Spiring Spike. He plays against Omnath semi often and it does. From the other side, it does look like it's fun to get that stuff, get the shenanigans yeah, you going. You get well, and you get to play with so many different cards. Uh-huh. Like you're not just running like, and that's what does get to me after a while with something like Hammer Time or Burn, where it's the games are the exact same every single game. And that's yeah. one of the things I like about EDH a lot is once you've taken the tutors out of your decks, then yep. you can get a lot of variety in games. You can have four people sit down with the same identif- the same decks, and play ten games, and they just work out differently every time. Uh-huh. Um. You don't really get that with like Merktide Regent or Delver, where the the whole point of the deck is it's executing the same game yep. plan every single game to get to the same cards every single game. Right. So like I can see why, but a lot of people like consistency as well. So like they're just good decks. We're getting really close to a third topic. No, that, that's so, you asked me if there's anything I want yep. to say. That was the biggest thing is like people keep talking about modern bands, and that's. We said it before Luris was banned. It's like yeah. modern isn't that bad, guys. Like I know Luris is a pain, but we don't want to mess with this Jenga tower. And again, the meta is a little lopsided, but it doesn't seem to actually be bad. So, so like, just is, chill. We banned a card, and the meta got worse. So if we ban another card, the meta might get better. <laughs> it could. <laughs> I don't. Or it might get worse again. Or it might get worse. It turns out metas are very, very complicated. And it's almost impossible to predict. Yeah. So, like, you really need to have a. And we don't want another Splinter Twin. Like, I know it's been a long time, but people still. Every ban announcement, they're like, are they going to unban Splinter Twin? Mm-hmm. Like, people want their decks back. So, and these decks are no longer just cheap modern decks like they used to be. You're talking about people with $1,500, $2,000 invested in a deck. Maybe we don't just ban things willy nilly. Yeah. That's basically what I'm getting at. So, yeah. again, I don't want to spend a, a half an hour talking about it, but it's been coming up a lot. That's fair. And it needs to be addressed. Well, but other than that, I think we're good. I think on that uh, interesting discussion and some wise words i'll give a final shout out to our patrons if you want to support us it's patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel we really appreciate every and everyone who gives us support um and we look forward to recording another patron episode this week we're actually going to top back into pioneer a little bit yeah it's been a few weeks since we talked about pioneer so, so if you want to listen to that head over to patreon.com throw us uh, we do have a one dollar tier if you want to have a one dollar tier get you access to or no, i'm sorry yeah one gets you access to no. discord one dollar tier gets yeah. One dollar tier gets access to the Discord. The five dollar tier gets access to all of the extra content. Yeah. So we'll get we're gonna get over and get that recorded soon. But uh, final shout out to them. Final shout out to the Plain Soccer's podcast. Monday, Wednesday, twitch.tv forward slash Plain Soccer's podcast. All their links. The Plain Soccer's did a very good job. You can search them on Google and all their crap shows up. They are the Plain Soccer's. They did a good job. But I don't have anything else, Matt. Do you have anything? No, I think we're good to go. Alrighty. Well, in that case, I think we will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So I'll untap, play my uh, sixth land. Uh, fuck it. I'll just delve seven and cast treasure cruise. <laughs> I don't have any response to a treasure cruise this time. Okay. Well, uh, this hand is actually much better than it was a second ago. You're kind of fucked now. Fair enough. <laughs>
Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken mat, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers cross the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows, let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground, nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel.